And we're going to read from Galatians chapter 3 once again. David, if you want to just follow along with the scripture and change the slide for me as I read, that would be great. And in Galatians 3, 19 to 25, we read this. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise has been made. And it was put in place through angels by an, by an intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. I gotta wait for the slide to go, because I walked away from my notes. Verse 22, but the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So thank you, David. You may be seated, and thank for respecting and honoring the living, powerful word of God today. Today we continue in our series in, in Galatians called Plus Nothing grace we were saved by grace alone but we're, we're going kind of a different direction today why is in the law why is in the law after all if salvation has always been by faith and never by works it's always been by the promise then why is in the law why did we even have the law to begin with why do we still have this law in existence today you see we've been talking a lot about grace we've been talking so much about grace that maybe at times we've kind of disrespected or dishonored the law that God gave us to begin with. Maybe I've, I've spoken so badly about the law that we, we just keep finding ourselves thinking, why then the law? Why do we even have it? We now come to a part of scripture where Paul starts to talk about this. Why then the law? After all, in Galatians 1 and 2 and 3 so far, we keep saying things such as the law leads to death. But faith and grace led to salvation. We're saved by grace alone. We've made basic statements based off scripture that nobody could ever be saved by the law or by works. So why then the law? You know, when I was in school, and maybe you remember this as well, I don't know, I only think about myself. I know this is kind of a general topic. I only think my, about myself with this context. That sounded bad. but. When I was in high school, I remembered a term that us high schoolers just loved talking about. We loved writing the symbol for it on our notebooks and just all over the place. You'd see people spray painting it on walls, and maybe it's not just from my day and age, but the term called anarchy. Anybody ever heard of that term anarchy? Can anybody visualize the symbol for it? I remember, and maybe even I'm getting it wrong, my memory starts to fail. I'm getting old, right? No. but. It was an A with a circle around it and kind of a cross through it, and it meant anarchy. And anarchy meant lawlessness. It meant that they were against this system of hierarchy of the government. It meant a system without rules, without laws. And as a high school student, I thought as a teenager, I want anarchy. I want to make up my own rules, right? Now I'm old enough to realize there's rules, there's laws are in place for a reason. They have a purpose. But at that time, 
We thought we wanted anarchy. We thought we wanted to make up our own rules. And maybe, maybe some of you still feel like that today. Maybe some of you see some of the laws, some of the rules, some of the things the government does, and you think, this is ridiculous, right? There are some pretty crazy laws out there. But they are placed in, into law for a purpose. Sometimes we just need to look beyond ourselves and look to what was the purpose of that law. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I've got kind of a main theme I've been working on. I've rewrote this several times now, and I really hope that you can get the point of it. But maybe by the end of the sermon especially, it will have some meaning. Why then the law? To be wise in the law does not save you. But God's word, the spirit, and the law all work together to help lead you to Christ for salvation. So yes, be wise in the law but also, and most importantly, be wise in Christ. If I was to simplify this, I would just say we need Christ for salvation, but we should want the law too. But why? Why should we want the law too? Christ and the law work well together. So before we talk about why is in the law any further, as we're really focusing on that this morning, let's talk about what is the law. Maybe you've been thinking about that, too. I've been thinking about that. What is the law? What is Paul speaking about here? Do you think he's speaking about the law to obey the speed limit? Who breaks that law? I'm on video. I shouldn't raise my hand, right? What about the law to not jaywalk? Now, I've seen bloomerites here, and a lot of people disobey those crosswalks. I'm just saying. Especially around the bakery and Main Street Cafe. Do you think they're talking about the law of do not rob your neighbor or do not kill someone? The law that you must be at church at a half hour early. There's no law that says that. What is the law? The law of God could be described in several different ways. You see in Psalm 119.97, and this isn't alone, read, Oh, how I love your law, and it is my meditation all the day. So when we read this psalm, do you think they're talking about one specific law? No. Do, they think, do you think they're talking about the Ten Commandments, those laws? Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. I just meditate on the Ten Commandments all day long. No. You see, the law can be referred to as all of God's scripture. It can also refer to the Ten Commandments. It can also refer to the hundreds of laws and traditions and ceremonies and offerings that have been passed down generation to generation, especially with the Jewish people. But in this case, what I think they're mostly referring to, and what the law can speak to as well, is the Mosaic law. The law of Moses, which primarily refers to the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, the Torah, in this situation, this case. We're talking about Jewish people who had recently become converted to Christianity through Jesus Christ. They've accepted a new way of living, but Paul's talking to them because he's seeing that they're, due to false teachers, they're starting to go back to the old way of living, which the old way of living would be living according to that Mosaic law. The law which included the Ten Commandments, and included ordinances, and included worship, a worship system, which included the priesthood, which included the tabernacle, which included offerings and festivals, and you get my point, but the biggest point there is the law included offerings. Maybe that's not the biggest point, but it's one thing I want to talk about. You see, the law could never save them. The law was simply a way to show them how they should be living, 
But the law was never enough because we could never live perfect enough. We could never live according to every single law without falling down. So God gave him a system. God gave him a system of offerings and ceremonies and festivals to be made right with him. And Tanner spoke a little bit about that this morning. And what a joy it is now to know that we don't need to make those sacrifices. Some of you still do it willingly. Oh, you raise this lamb and then you sell it at a fair just to be auctioned off. How cruel. No, but, but we don't need to do that for salvation anymore. The, the law could have many meanings. But I don't think that Paul is referring to one specific law. Now, he refers to circumcision a lot because they were trying to add certain things from the law into this new way of living. But he was referring to many different ways of living, many different ways of the, that the law could apply to the lives. But let's move on a little bit. You've had a little bit of description of why then law. What is the law? Well, how about how is the law used in your life? And to best describe this, I thought I'd give you another illustration, another example. You see, it's been said that the law is like a mirror to look at ourselves in and see all of our imperfections. And then as we look in that mirror, it should lead us to change. But while the law is good, the law does not solve our sin problem. Jesus does. Let me give you a more in-depth illustration to this. It says this, when you look into your bathroom mirror after awaking in the morning... You see all that hair, that beautiful flowing hair, locks of hair that needs combed. Moving on. You see the face that needs washed and cleaned. You have to wash all that sleep drool away from around your mouth. You may continue to look in the mirror as you get dressed and you tuck in your shirt, you tie your tie, and you see that your tie needs straightened. The mirror reveals what is wrong that needs to be made right. The mirror does not actually comb your hair. The mirror does not wash your face. The mirror does not straighten that tie. The mirror is only there to reveal the problem, not to be the fix. The mirror is like the law. It's a reflector. It shows you what's wrong. It shows you what you really are. But the law cannot fix the problem. The law can only reveal your problem. It can show your sin. It can show you your dirt, your grime, your drool. But what the law could never do, Christ did. Christ fixed it. Many people today think that in order to be made right with God, they have to keep God's word. The problem is, even on their best day, they cannot satisfy the demands of a perfect God. The law is there to help show us the problem, but Jesus is there to fix the problem. If you're making notes, that's a very important one to write down. The law is there to help show us the problem, but Jesus is there to fix the problem. Think about it this way. The law of God is like an x-ray. Some of you recently had an x-ray. It will reveal our brokenness, but it cannot fix it. We need salvation to be redeemed for that. We need Jesus. So I think that my statement here might start making a little bit more sense to you now as to why then the law. Paul's not arguing that the law has no purpose. On contrary, Paul says, no, the law does have a purpose. To be wise in the law does not save you. God's word, the spirit, and the law all work together, though, to help lead you to Christ for salvation. So yes, be wise in the law, but also be wise in Christ. And that's the most important thing. We need Jesus. Grace alone plus nothing. We need Christ for salvation. 
We need laws. And I talked a little bit earlier about anarchy, about lawlessness. We're going to read from Romans chapter 7. If you guys want to open up your Bibles to Romans 7, 7, we'll be referring to that here in just a moment. I am curious, and I'm going to ask for a raise of hands. Was the anarchy thing just something my childhood did, or did any of you raise your hand if you ever heard of that term anarchy? Thank you. I thought that many of you would know that because it's a general idea, really. And you know, it's kind of funny because as you're turning to Romans 7, let me just talk about this. Anarchy doesn't make any sense, does it? It's a lawlessness, a state of disorder due to the absence of a non-recognition of authority. But aren't you kind of creating a recognition of authority by creating this, this way of life? Aren't you saying, well, I don't want any leaders. I want to be my own leader. But then the moment you start this, you're becoming a leader. You're kind of throwing it all upside down. You see, we need laws. Because without laws, the whole world would be flipped upside down. We need laws because it prevents us from going too far. It shows us where that line is drawn in the sand. It shows us an example of how we should be living. So let me read from Romans 7, 7 to you. And it says this. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if, I had not been for, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetedness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive, and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it, killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin, producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin. And through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual. But I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Thank you. I want to think that a lot of that's self-explanatory. I don't have time to go into detail, um, very much in detail. But I do want to read this again. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin. We need the law. We need Christ. We need them both. Now, we need to start with Christ. He's the one who truly saves, and Christ has taken the place of the law because we can now look to Jesus Christ as the perfect example of how to live. But that doesn't mean that the law does not still have its purpose, too. We can still look also to the law. And what I'm talking about is all of God's word. We should be looking to all of God's word to show us how to live. You know, sometimes that word live, maybe it doesn't have enough meaning. There's dying and there's living. And then maybe there's something in the middle which is just existing. We should be living for God. 
We should be living in a God, for God in a way which shows the hope. I love that at the last part of um, the communion process, I always say that we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There's dying, there's just existing, and there's living. And there's living in a way which your life is proclaiming the hope that you have. There's living in a way that your life shows everyone around you the hope that you have because of Christ. But you're never going to tr truly, truly, truly be living as you could be without knowing God's law, without knowing God's word, without knowing Christ, most importantly. The law was and is still good to help us. For we are born and we live in a fallen world, in a sinful human being. We need the law to help guide us, to help show us how to live. In order that sin might be shown to be sin. We can no longer live in sin and just live in denial thinking that what we're doing isn't bad because we have an instruction book to show us how we should be living. But how often do you open it? How often do we abide by it? Do we have Jesus in our lives to help us? Do we look to his word to show us how to live? I'm going to try and just pick a couple more things to give to you, and I want to wrap up early so that you have time to get to Sunday school classes on time. I know that's a struggle for us here, but I want to give you this. John MacArthur, a quote from him, says this, Only saving faith unlocks the door to the prison where the law keeps men bound. Let me read to you once more our scripture for today, and I just want to point out a couple of things. It's why then the law? Why? It was added because of transgressions, because of our sin, because of our trespasses, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been given. That's Jesus. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. I want to talk about those two things real fast. I want to talk about the law. And it, how, how it says, the scripture imprisoned everything under sin. The law imprisoned us. It was, but it was also a guardian. How can those two be, things be related? I mean, Jilly, you think of going to jail as a bad thing, right? Parents, do you ever dream of your kids going to jail and be like, yes, no, you think no. But you know what? Imprisonment can be a good thing, and that's what this is speaking of. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came. After sin came into the world, God destroyed the world, world through the great flood. But then eventually he gave us this new law. Because he knew that we needed this law as a guardian to prevent us from going further and further and further into destruction. 
He didn't want to have to destroy the world again through a flood. In fact, he promised us that he wouldn't. But without those laws, with the system of anarchy, just imagine how the world would be today. With nothing to keep people in line, with no rules, with no police officers, with no military, with no prisons. Prison can be a good thing as it guards people. It guards the people who are going in there, and it guards us. The word of God and the law is a good thing. But we need to first look to Christ, because Christ is the only one who can save you. But the law does work together with Christ. The law was designed to show the way for a redeemed people to please God. Moreover, because the law exposes our sins, it continually drives us back to faith. It's the only way to achieve life. Let me end with this application here. Be wise in the law, but surrender yourself to Christ. Wise in the law? The law was important. The law is still important today. The law may be inferior, but it's not without its purpose. The law protects us from ourselves. The law proves our helplessness, that we need a savior. The law drives you to God's grace for salvation. The purpose of the law was to demonstrate to man his total sinfulness, his inability to please God by his own works and his need for mercy and grace, his need for a savior. I want to give one final example as we close here. The way out and the way to life always is and always will be in that promise, in that offspring, which is Jesus. You see, it also talks about imprisonment, and when you look into imprisonment, it's talking about, it's referring to a word that could be used to describe a net. You see, there was a way out of that net to sneak out fish. It seems like they're always able to find one little hole that's a little bit bigger to sneak out. Or they find one rip in the net to be able to get out through that narrow hole. That would be through the system of law and sacrifices and offerings. There was a way to have life. But it's not like it, what it is today. You see, that hole would always be small. It would always be narrow. It would always be hard to find. And due to the law being inherently hard and impossible to keep in its entirety, you would never have the true, true relationship with God that you can have today. But here's the thing. The promise and grace of Jesus allows that net to be totally ripped open. No longer do we need to look for that small little hole. No longer do we need to look for a back door out of that net. All we need to do is believe. Believe in Christ and have a life forevermore. As Tanner ended with his communion. Just believe. Just believe. I'm going to close in prayer, but before you leave, since we don't have an ending song, I picked a song that just really spoke to me this week. I hope it speaks to you as well. And it's a song by a, by a man that goes by a, a band name called Reawaken Hymn. It's a song called Grace Greater Than Our Sin. So let me go ahead and close in prayer and just listen to the words of the song afterwards. Please bow your head. Lord, we thank you for the law, but we most importantly thank you for you. Lord, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to give us life. The law is still not without its purpose. We can look to all of your word to help us to see the perfect way of living. 
But most importantly, we can also look to Jesus to know that we have life forevermore. We have hope, we have joy, and we have the Spirit within us to help lead us from each and every single day. We may struggle from time to time, but we're never going to be alone. May we value your law, just like Paul does here when he says, no, the law does have a purpose. It's in your holy and powerful name we pray. Amen. David, if you could please start that. God's given us a lot to be grateful for, hasn't he? Amen. Let us go out today and let's proclaim it.